And actually I studied acting because that's something I always wanted to do. And I was like, everyone thought I went crazy anyway. I'm just going to pursue all my dreams. So um, my acting coach said something to me. He was like, sometimes you have to go crazy to become sane. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to connecting women through stories, inspiration, and actions that empower resilience, leverage change, and celebrates their next. Today's guest is an extraordinary woman who follows her heart and lets her life lead the way. Katie Chin is an entrepreneur, five-time author, chef, teacher, culinary ambassador to the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation, and the star of a one-woman show going live soon. Welcome, Katie. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Happy to be here. Um, I just wanted to um, say that that was really a compressed version of all the things you've accomplished, and it's really quite extensive. But I just wanted to know if you could give a little bit more background to my audience so they could get to know you better. Sure. It's kind of a long story, so I'm going to try to make it as quick as possible. But it's an important story to share because it has a lot to do with my mother, uh, the late Leanne Chen, and she, um, everything I know about life and cooking, I learned in the kitchen from her. But she immigrated from China in 1956, making 50 cents an hour as a seamstress in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I was born and raised. She always loved to cook. And um, one day she threw a luncheon for some sewing clients in the early 1970s. And they were so blown away by her uh, authentic Chinese cuisine because they'd never had that before. All that was available back in the day was chop suey, right? So they were so blown away, they um, encouraged her to start teaching classes and to cater. And one thing led to another. She became a successful caterer, and um, she caught the attention of a socialite. And that socialite wanted to open a restaurant with her. She happened to be friends with the owner of the Minnesota Twins. And the owner of the Minnesota Twins was friends with Sean Connery. So Sean Connery happened to be in Minneapolis visiting his friend, Robert Redford, who was uh, directing the film Ordinary People. And uh, my mother catered a party and they were so um, enamored with my mother because not only was she this amazing cook, but she was quite modest, but very charming. And uh, Sean Connery decided to invest in my mother's first restaurant, which was crazy. Okay. <laughs> in Minnesota of all places. Right. So um, uh, they opened the first restaurant and then she opened more and more. And then by the uh, mid 1980s, she had over 30 restaurants and um, General Mills bought her company she bought it back and she ended up, um, you know, building a chain with over 50 locations. So a, a remarkable woman, so inspirational and a huge, you know, supporter of the community and very philanthropic. So anyway, I grew up working in the uh, basement of our tiny catering operation, gritting my teeth, wishing I was at the mall like all the other kids. But we knew something magical was happening to our mom. So, um, but I vowed to never work in the food industry and to get the hell out of Minnesota. So I left. Went to school in Boston, moved to LA, and I worked in the entertainment industry for 14 years um, as uh, an executive at Fox and Disney and other studios. So uh, one day I um, had completely forgotten how to cook, but I wanted to throw a dinner party for some clients when I was working at Fox. So I kept calling my mom and asking her questions on the phone, and she was so um, frustrated with me. She got on a plane with frozen lemon chicken. She showed up on my doorstep, but she let everyone think that I had cooked the meal. 
And meanwhile, she opened my fridge and found only champagne and yogurt and was completely mortified. So she set out to teach me how to cook again. And uh, she kept flying to LA and teaching me and my friends how to cook Asian food. And they were like, you guys make this look so easy. You should do a cookbook together. And I was like, we should do a cookbook together. So um, I also saw an opportunity to not only get to know her because I barely knew her. She was so busy. But also I was like, oh, we could create a mother-daughter culinary brand. So I quit my job as a senior VP at Fox and I left my husband all in the same month. Uh, I don't suggest wow. doing those two things in the same wow. month. That's I wouldn't suggest doing those two, but you know what? It all worked out for the best. And then she <laughs> and I uh, started out on this uh, culinary journey, which was just really magical and uh, wonderful that I got to spend all that time with her. So anyway, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and everything I do now is to honor her culinary legacy. Well, yes, but but there's just so much that you just said in that 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 um, I find to be uh, really interesting. Uh, considering this is next, and people, you know, reinventing, reimagining their lives, recreating, and it seems to me that um, your mom was such an amazing example. Because first of all, how many, um, how much of the Asian culture was in Minneapolis at that time? back in the 50s and 60s, and she was able to just really stand in what she did, and she did it really well, right? That's right. There were so few Asians at the time. We belonged to the Sons of Norway and the Jewish Community Center because we had no clubs. But despite the obstacles, you know, what she taught me is if you really, first and foremost, work hard, you know, your your, uh, dreams can't be bigger than how much you work, right? You have to really put the work forward. Um, You work really hard and you believe in yourself. Yeah. And you stop caring about what people think. And you really listen to your inner voice. You can really accomplish anything. And she's such a prime example of that because the odds of her succeeding were so slim. Yes, yes. She did it anyway. You know what? And that's that's what I was saying is that that, um, she – really shaped your view of work, life, and family and how she lived. She lived it. She walked the talk. She, did, she didn't really talk about it. She just did it. And that is really powerful when you were so lucky. But at the time, you probably thought, oh, my gosh, all this cooking and everything isn't so great. But you must have been so proud of her going and, and, and creating this incredible business from nothing, basically. She was just being authentically herself and doing something she's passionate about and then it turned into such a huge thing that must have been so inspiring for you. And you must've been so proud of her. Um, you know, my siblings and I were so incredibly proud of her. Now, meanwhile, I was still a teenager when most of this was happening. So I was still like a selfish bratty teenager. So again, I was like rolling my eyes when all the other kids got to go to the school dances. And I was like checking coats at a restaurant. Like, why do I have to work so hard? Right. Um, but, you know, obviously, as I grew out of that and went to college and after college, just, um, you know, was she, you know, the, the one thing she really led by example that, that I try to practice every day is she, she rarely complained, even though she had numerous hardships, you know, just being a minority businesswoman alone, so mm-hmm. hard with an accent and being an immigrant, but, you know, being match made to someone she didn't even love living through a war, being poor. She never complained about anything. And, you know, I think particularly living in LA, like we just are so prone to complain. Yeah. About oh, we hear a lot. Things, yes. You know? Yes. The dumbest things. So that's something I really try to 
practice and uh, not always that well, but I, I definitely try to instill that in my kids. And so her work ethic really carried through with you, but you wanted something of your own. You wanted to go out and, and be your own person, and you absolutely did that. And it's almost like from the fire of working so hard to the frying or from the frying pan to the fire, because <laughs> going into the entertainment industry and working in, you know, being a VP or of marketing, an executive of marketing, that's huge. I mean, to you, you had the work ethic and you worked really hard, um, but probably you, you weren't getting the same, maybe you weren't getting the same, um, what is it? Like, uh, it, it wasn't feeling like the right place or did you love it? Um, well, first of all, I was raised with a strong work ethic, but also, yes. you know, in most Chinese American families, you're, you're allowed to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a professor, an accountant. And all of my siblings, except for my sister, Laura, who helped build my mother's business, are all those things. So uh, when I decided to pick something so unconventional, I just, I think I, I worked even harder mm-hmm. to prove to them that I would be successful because I didn't want them to worry because they didn't really understand what I was doing. In fact, my father thought I was working at Disneyland. <laughs> I told this friend I was working at Disneyland. I'm like, I don't work at Disneyland. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think part of the reason I uh, really succeeded was I was driven by this internal pressure to, to, to please them and to, to gain approval. Um, but while I was successful and while I, you know, reaped so many wonderful gifts from that career, like I learned, like, when you work at Disney? You know, you, you have that Disney training and it, it follows you wherever you go in your life. Um, but I just didn't feel passionate about it. Yeah, that's what I was meaning. It's like, it you wasn't know, really just, aligning. My heart with like wasn't your... in it. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was more to life yeah. than jumping on planes and convincing General Mills to tie in with the next, you know, movie release or whatever. Right. So, um, and again, I don't uh, begrudge it or belittle it. And I made, made so many wonderful friends throughout my years doing it. Um, you know, when you feel stressed out, and lots of pressure, but your heart's not in it. And that is like the worst form of burnout. Because if at least you still feel passionate, but you're burned out, you're exhausted, but you've got that fire inside that's still burning. Oh, I get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And that, that uh, feeling of purpose. And if you have that, that, you know, more power to you, that's great. I have friends that have worked at the studios for, you know, 35 years and maybe burned out, but still quite passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah, I completely get what you're saying. And that's what I was saying is about you probably were in it and you succeeded. And like a lot of us, you you got the prize. But by the time you got the prize and you were really in it, it wasn't really having a lot to do with your happiness. And so you decided, you know, wait, this is I've done it. I've done the thing. I've got the prize. Um, But there's something missing. Right. You felt like it was time for a change. Well, life is so short. I was looking for actual, like true meaning. And I mm-hmm. also, I'm, I, you know, I'm an artist and I never really recognized that till later in life, yes. you know, when I did the artist way, but I was finding, I, I've never really told many people this and not on a podcast yet, but when I was working at Disney, I felt so stifled because it was so corporate. Mm-hmm. I was a go-go dancer at night at a gay bar because yes. I needed another form of expression. <laughs> But I made terrible tips because it was a gay male bar. Like five dollars. <laughs> but you went. See, that's what I love about it is that you were like, okay, I'm going to go outside this box and I'm going to do something that that just speaks to me. And that's why when I said in the beginning, you follow your heart, but you let life lead because you you sort of just put it out there. I think you were saying your favorite 
you know, we're, motto is leap and let the, and the net will appear. And it's sort of like you do follow your heart. I think that your mother had a lot to do with that because she showed such resilience. Like as long as you're true to your true nature, who you are, and you do it well and you work hard, of course you got to show up and work hard. But as long as you're there, then the rest follows, follows suit, right? I mean, right, and I think, you know, her whole raison d'etre was to teach, to teach people to carry on her gifts. So even when she had 1,500 employees yeah. and there were 50 restaurants and she rarely was in the kitchen, she would literally, if the, there was a lunch rush, she just roll up the sleeves on her Chanel jacket and her Fendi flats and go back there and just start stir frying. Because, you know, ultimately she stood true to who she was. Yes. She quality was, you know, the most important thing. So even though she started making a bunch of money and she became a celebrity, she would trade all that in to just, you know, if she had to, you know, she, she knew like she actually did that because she felt like the quality was going down when she sold her company, you know, is more important uh, to her to remain true to her values and her recipes and to be a billionaire, you know. Right, right. And and that's really the key right there. And it came through, I'm sure, in her work and her cooking. And and that's something that, you know, she gave you that is so just priceless. Um, and the resilience, too, of just working hard and knowing. And going back to leaving that job, I'm sure a lot of people are like, what are you doing? You're leaving your husband. You're leaving your job. You're doing this other thing. I'm sure you had people going, what are you doing and why? And but didn't you, you were listening to your heart. You were saying that this is, this is where I need to go, right? I think a lot of people can relate uh, that do something similar. Um, you know, you find out who your true friends are. Because your true friends are going to love you no matter what kind of job you have. Right. Your true friends are going to love you even if they're discovering for the first time that, wow, you're really not who I, you know, you're really different <laughs> than what I thought. Um, and that you have decided to become a risk taker. So it is scary, but I, again, I feel like life is so short to not find out who you are and what's going to really make you happy. And actually I studied acting because that's something I always wanted to do. And I was like, everyone thought I went crazy anyway. I'm just going to pursue all my dreams. So um, my acting coach said something to me. He was like, sometimes you have to go crazy to become sane. But I felt like it gave me permission and you know, the freedom to, to do all these things because people thought I went nuts. So I'm like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Let them say whatever they want. You know what, though? I call that the try on shoes. I think you just go try on shoes. You're like, okay, this is, I got the prize or whatever. I'm, I'm here or maybe it's not working out or whatever. I'm going to try on shoes. It doesn't mean I'm going to keep all of them, but I've really thought about doing this, 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 and I'm going to give it a try. And to give yourself that, that, um, ability, that breadth of like, you know, uh, flexibility is really a gift. And I think a lot of people limit themselves because they're worried about whatever everyone thinks of them or what right. they'll lose. And or if really, they'll fail. If they're, oh yes. If, if they're, they're, maybe fail. they're not good at it and they've always wanted to try it, but what if I'm not good? Well, who cares? If you're who cares not if it's making you happy? And so I just see where, you know, you had all of this richness in your life, which really did help to buoy you through things that really set your foundation. I mean, it just sounds, I mean, it was really hard and I know you had to work really hard, but there was just a lot of, 
of a good foundation there. So when you were out in the world and you were able to achieve whatever you wanted to achieve, it still is so great that you decided, and I heard you say the artist way, which I think is so fantastic that um, even uh, Elizabeth, what is her name? Elizabeth, oh, I'm going blank on her name. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, Gilbert. Gilbert, thank you. I wanted mm-hmm. to say Smith, but she she does the artist way every year because she's always asking herself, what am I not doing that I would like to be doing? What She's always asking herself because I think it's really good to, to be true to ourselves, not selfish, not selfish at all, but true to ourselves and stay on that course, um, which I love. And I think that, that you're certainly one of those people that does that. Um, you've written five books, five cookbooks. Tell me about how you, well, first of all, you know how to market because that's something that you've done in your career, which there's no mistakes in life. Um, but but how, what, what has um, been the impetus to, to, to write five books? Well, um when our friends encouraged us to do a book together, I was able to get a book. My mother had written two books before, so that's how it all started. But I was actually still working at Fox when that book happened. Um, so my mother did the bulk of that book. Then um, what happened is I met my current husband, the good one. Mm-hmm. It always says, seems funny when I say current. I met my husband, and um, we had twins who are now 13. Um, so after my mother and I, uh, did the book and we had a catering business together, um, and we did a show together on PBS, uh, I was really focusing on the kids and then she passed away. So then I tried to, you know, get another book deal just on my own, but my platform wasn't strong enough. Um, so I, you know, fell into it like a deep, dark hole of depression. Well, you know, I like, uh, you know, cause my mother was this big name. And, um, so that was humbling. But I, I just want to say to people out there that want to try something new, um, there's always another way. Like what I like to say is if one door closes, climb through the window. Mm-hmm. There's always another way. Mm-hmm. So um, basically what happened was the editor on our book together, she recommended me to a publisher that does like a lot of like 300 best panini recipes, 300 best cookie recipes. They were looking for an author to write a cookbook all about rice cookers. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And it was not a personality-driven book in any way, but it was really great. You know, I had to cut my teeth on that, learn how to do it by myself. I had seven testers coming in and out of my house, testing recipes with rice cookers all over my kitchen. Um, <laughs> so that was quite, I mean, to test through the recipes, man, that was intense. Um, and then from there, I met my uh, current publisher and, um, they approached me to do a Thai cookbook from a working mom's perspective. Nice. And I love that because uh, I had to really, you know, sink my teeth into Thai cuisine, which I knew some about. I had gone to Thailand on my honeymoon, mm-hmm. um, but that was really, really a lot of fun. And then from there, my passion project was to write a book honoring my mother. Mm-hmm. So I pitched the idea of doing a Chinese cookbook, um, weaving in family memories, telling her story. Uh, a lot of her classic recipes and then recipes she and I created um, together in our catering business. And then um, my newest cookbook, which came out in June, uh, is a global family cookbook. So I was just so delighted because while I've uh, really focused on Asian cuisine, which is great, and my catering business is modern Asian cuisine, I just felt like so many families need a resource to make the dishes they're enjoying at restaurants, right? Yes, because yes. kids have grown up today with the Food Network, watching Top Chef, doing TikTok cooking videos, mm-hmm. and their palates are quite 
expanded compared to like when we were growing up. Right. That I knew, I just knew that parents want to recreate those flavors in an easy way using, you know, pots and pans they have in their kitchen already. And with ingredients you can mainly find at your local grocery store. So that's my last one. I'm super, super, I'm passionate. They're all my babies, you know, but I'm super passionate about this last one. Well, I can see the evolution too, where you needed to, to sort of, like you said, cut your teeth on the 300 recipes. And that sounds like it was grueling, but, but it was a good exercise for you. But I can see the evolution and how it's completely your own now. And so you've taken what your mom's done and then you've, you've, you've added your own spin to it. And that is how do you, you integrate this into our regular lives? Because people will continue to buy cookbooks because we, we need to be inspired. I mean, we get, we kind of get in our groove and we keep cooking the same things. And then we're like, I need another cookbook to get me inspired. And when you're talking to someone about being able to use what you already have or use what the store had, you don't have to go sending away for something so unusual. It makes it more um, achievable. And then when people have success, of course, they're going to, they're going to want more. So to me, I think that's brilliant, just brilliant. Um, And global, you're right. It's, it's kids palettes these days are more global and they're used to more interesting foods because we as parents, you and I have introduced our children to that. I mean, I remember um, making Thai food for my kids, very mild Thai food for my kids back, you know, and my daughter said to my son, he goes, what is this? And it was like a curry coconut, you know, with the lemongrass and everything. And, and she said, Oh, it's, it's good. It's good, Ross. Just try it. She said, because girls like it when guys eat interesting food. Oh, I love it. She's so wise. That's like, you know, girls like it when you take them to interesting restaurants and stuff. So try it out. And so he was like, okay. And they loved it, of course. But, but um, I love that, that you've done all that. And I was able to view uh, your one woman show and I was so touched by it, your story and um, how you made me laugh. And at the same time, you made me go, oh my gosh. And I could align with some of those feelings and I just thought it was so incredible how um, you've taken this journey, and you are by no means done yet. You are not done yet, but you've taken this journey of being immersed in a family that was doing something so incredible, and then you wanted to go go and be your own person. And now you're making your way back, and you and you, you know, interacted with your mom, and, and now you're still making your own way. But you've taken this history with you. It's just a beautiful beautiful thing. And um, oh, thank you so much. I really, I really uh, enjoyed hearing that and reading your story. Now you, um, all the different celebrities, I mean, your mother was immersed in that world because isn't that incredible how I think that miracles happen daily. If we're, if our eyes are open and we're really true, uh, truly true to ourselves and what we're doing and authentic miracles happen if we, they're happening all the time. And your mom, that was a miracle that a, that a, socialite in Minneapolis, you know, bing, 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 she's, she's doing all of this. But I think too, didn't it help that you um, had some marketing background and that you were kind of in that world? Because if anyone takes a browse at your, at your uh, website, uh, Katie Chin, chef, Katie you have an incredible, you know, um, uh, blog and, and some of the pictures, the people you've met and things that you've done. I mean, that's pretty pretty incredible. And I think you've done that on your own too, because you've worked so hard and you've through your catering company and, and done those things. Am I right? Well, I've 
first of all, I've been very fortunate. Um, and yes, I've applied a lot of the things I've learned over the years working in marketing. And, you know, it's interesting because they kind of all work in tandem, like contacts I had from my past life have helped me in this life. And then my culinary contacts are helping some of my other friends in the entertainment sphere. Um, so I definitely try to put all those tools to use. And I also think that, um, you know, my mother taught me to be philanthropic. So being the ambassador to the culinary, I mean, sorry, the uh, National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. I think when you put good out there, uh, you know, things oftentimes, you know, come to you, but you can never have that expectation. You have to go into it just doing it because you want to help right. people, right? So when right. I was, I had been the national um, culinary ambassador for City of Hope, and that's what led to the um, me meeting the Obamas during the Easter egg roll at the White House. So um, I just felt so fortunate that uh, I was representing them. And this, you know, miracle happened as a result. So I completely agree with you. Yeah, that's so incredible. And again, you're being true to yourself and true to who you are and really just showing up authentically and without expectations. You're just doing it. So tell me about your role as the culinary ambassador to the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. What is it that you do? Um, do you consult with them or are you a, a, a speaker for them? How do you how do you do that? Well, it's a very broad role and uh, they are just a fantastic organization and their main mission is to find more targeted, less toxic treatments for pediatric cancer warriors. Mm -hmm. um, so it takes the form of uh, recipe development. I have done um, monthly TV demos on Bloom TV, which is a uh, Florida station. They're based in Florida, mm -hmm. but it's uh, syndicated all over the country. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's going to make you cry. I just shot one yesterday, but basically once a month, I do a cooking demo via Zoom with the host as well as... Um, a pediatric cancer patient comes on and cooks along with us. Mm -hmm. So it's the sweetest thing. Oh, and we've had the gosh. cutest little children come on. So oh. adorable. You know, talk about like perspective, right? Like it also, not only um, is it fulfilling for me on so many levels, but it just keeps me in check because I think we, we need those things to give us perspective because I might be having a bad day or whatever. And then I get on and I'm doing this TV demo with like a five-year-old that has cancer. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know, stop complaining. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, in addition to um, some of those activities, they do have an initiative, initiative called Cooking Funds the Cure, which takes place in September. And basically uh, the initiative is to get the entire restaurant industry to rally around National Pediatric Cancer and do like a roundup program. So mm -hmm. when you're eating at um, your favorite restaurant, the restaurant will ask you to, you know, your bill's $41 to round it up to, you know, $45 yes. yeah. and to uh, give that donation to the organization. So um, some other things they do, they have something called Fashion Funds the Cure. So uh -huh. they have fashion shows in conjunction with Simon Malls all over the country. So um, they basically ask the little kids what they want to be when they grow up. And then they'll take, Let's say it's a, an attorney. They'll ask a local attorney to walk down the catwalk with the child, and the child will dress as a, a lawyer. And then they um, – oftentimes the children want to be chefs when they grow up. So I'll be walking down the catwalk probably in Florida in September with one of the children, and they'll be dressed like a chef, and I'll be dressed like a chef. So – Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. I love that. And I'm Isn't sure you've got to get a picture and put it in your, on your, um, 
website because that's going to be adorable, I'm sure. That's yeah. Be a great, great yeah. picture. Um, I wanted to also say that be, this is about being resilient. And it seems to me that, you know, during the pandemic, you just took that knowledge of yours and your ability and just turned and created something um, from a catering business to going on live um, virtual virtual courses and classes. And you do something every Sunday with your daughter on Facebook, which I think is incredible. And that's consistent. You're always, I always see that you go on and you do it every week. So tell me a little bit about that. Like how long did it take you to make that pivot? Because <laughs> it like, you just know, you're just like, okay, this is it. And it's like I said, you listen to your heart. You just go, okay, what am I going to do now? And you just make it happen. And I just love that. Well, you know, I operate at such a crazy level because I have like five different jobs. When the pandemic hit, we actually moved to our, we have a home in Lake Arrowhead. So we uh-huh. went there for seven months. And after like two weeks, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so bored. <laughs> what am I going to do? Because I can't cater. Um, so I just, you know, it was just a brainstorm. I looked at Becca and I was like, hey, you want to do show? And she was like, okay. And she had had a, a YouTube channel when she was younger called Becca's Yummy Town. So uh-huh. we just started doing this show three times a week out of our kitchen in Lake Arrowhead. And people started to watch and people fell in love with Becca and they started giving her a nickname, Becca rocks and uh, the nibbler. Cause she's always nibbling. <laughs> and then we got some sponsors. So we give away prizes and then we started getting media. So we were on, uh, you know, New York live and uh, today in LA and NBC and on an ABC show. And we were just doing it for fun, but it also was a means for me not to not go crazy. Cause if I'm just, bored and stifled, I start going crazy. So then it started to take over our lives. And my husband's like, you don't have to do it three times a week. Like He's like, it's okay if you skip, you know, you can skip one. I'm like, no, no. I think it's important to follow through within reason, you know, like, so now we take a break from time to time. But um, that's just been so great for her and I to do and for me to see her confidence really grow. Because she used to be super shy. And now she's just like, Charles in charge. She's like, get out of the way. She's like, I'm going to show you how to do it, people. Like, she knows how to, you know, talk to the camera and are, engage with people. She helps me do research for trivia questions. So that's been super fun. But uh, the reason I started teaching virtual classes is because I would share our Facebook live streams to different groups after the uh-huh. live stream occurred to so like 125 groups. I even uh-huh. had to go to Facebook jail because I was doing it too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like filled with shame. I'm like, I have Facebook shame. But anyway, this company, um, it's called Hungry. They happened to see me on and one of the live streams I shared to like an Asian group and they were looking for an Asian chef to teach virtual classes. So basically it's a company called tryhungry.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have many, many corporate clients that are uh, looking for team building activity, activities virtually. So I became um, one of their celebrity chefs. So I teach dumpling classes, pad thai classes, sushi classes for them, for companies like Microsoft or Pernod Ricard or uh, American Express. And then I started teaching some of those classes on my own. So um, that's been really fun. I love teaching and I love performing. And it's kind of the best of both worlds it to be is. able to do it for the comfort of my own home. And you didn't know, like, from, from leaving the marketing, you know, this, how it's come into this whole thing where you're, you're, you're actually reaching so many more people by being able to do it virtually. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're reaching yes. a ton of people. And, and yes. the catering, of course, is great. Um, but this is also really super special because you're helping 
um, the, the Pediatric uh, Cancer Foundation. You're, you're, you're helping people that really want to learn something new and just need to maybe explore. And just your energy probably helps them to go, look what she's done. Look what she has. Maybe I can start maybe, you know, trying new things, considering a, a different way in life or what have you, because a lot of people do get really stuck in their, in their box. And a lot of times they don't know which way or how to get out of it. And so you're very much a great um, example of that. And you've become an entrepreneur, which I'm sure maybe you never considered being an entrepreneur, but here you are. So um, that's something that you had to learn as you went, right? Your mother, I'm sure, helped you. But it's, uh, it's listen, taking a risk is always scary, but then there's a cost to everything. There's yeah. a cost to doing it and there's a cost to not doing it. And I think if you really feel like you want to change your life, the cost is going to be much greater if you don't do it because you'll live with regret. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be, you know, 75 and sitting there going like, I should have, would have, could have. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, that's what I, when I saw that, it sounds corny, but I saw the quote, Leap in the Net will appear in O Magazine. Yes. I taped it to my wall when I left my husband and I was staying with my friend in his guest house. I just saw it on the wall and I was like, what? I mean, listen, I had the luxury of being, um, I didn't have kids. Like if I had kids, it would have been a lot harder, obviously, but I didn't. So I felt like if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. Right. So I just was like, you know what? And somebody else gave me a really good analogy. Just think of yourself as a gymnast on a bar and all of your friends and family are your spotters, your imaginary spotters. And if you fall, they're going to be there to catch you. Yes. Sure. And I think particularly if you ha- you're in a career and you decide to pivot and try something new, I always just felt like I can always go back to that if I have to. Yes. Yes. Right? Or consult. Like I, I have consulted over the years a lot. Like when I've been slower as a caterer, I consulted for Sanrio for four years on Hello Kitty. Yeah. Doing marketing and promotions. And then that actually fed into some it's a whole long story, culinary work I did for them. Um, so, you know, it, I, I called it my waitressing job. Like, I, I know I'm a really good waitress. I'll work really hard for my tips, but it, it, it enables me the freedom to pursue my passion. Oh, I love that. And I love that. Be, I think because of the background that you had, you're the type of person that could, not that it's going to happen, but someone picks you up and puts you somewhere else. It might take you a little bit. It might be really hard. You might have to work really hard but you'll figure it out because you know who you are and you listen to your heart and you just go, okay, this, I know I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And if I don't do it well, or if I fail at it, it's okay. And I think that's what you had said earlier in the, in this interview is that people have the fear of failing when actually you have to fail to learn. (laughs) You have to. It's so true. Yeah. You'll never, yeah. You'll never grow unless you feel vulnerable. You have to be, be willing to feel vulnerable to grow personally and professionally. And I have definitely t- tried some things just even personally. My friend made me do this, joined this dance troupe. <laughs> I love that you try things. A lyrical like dance number in front of 300 people. <laughs> but, you know, here's the other thing I learned. Even though, like, you say to yourself, you know what? I am just going to face this challenge head on. I'm going to do it. I'm going to face my fears. Doesn't mean you don't suck at it anymore. Like I just can't follow choreography, but I did it anyway. And I'm so glad I did it. Am I going to do it again? Probably not. But When you I think of it I though, it makes you I smile. Yeah. yeah, I did it. I actually did that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. you got to try and choose. 
I agree. I think you just got to try on shoes. And sometimes those shoes look so shiny and pretty, but then you put them on, they're all, ouch, no, not for me. But I liked wearing them. And I like, you know, how do you feel in them? That kind of thing. So I always call it with the women I talk to, we talk, I talk about that try on shoe space and you have to give yourself that uh, ability to just try on the shoes and then check in and say, how's this, how am I doing with this? And like you said, the spotters, I love that you said that because I raised my kids to sort of be fearless, like just go out there and do what you're going to do and understand your father and I, your family, your loved ones, we're not letting you fall off the face of the earth. We're not going to let you, you know, you're not going to crash and burn. We're here, but go do it because my daughter went all the way across the nation and went to school and made a life for herself. And that was pretty brave. So I've always, I've always, you know, um, been an advocate of that. And and I think that you're, you're so right. Life is short and sweet. Life is really sweet. And um, you have been incredibly inspiring and you are continually inspiring with what you're doing and what you're working on and definitely someone to watch because yes, you are a chef, but you are really an artist and you're, and you're someone who is an evidence of true nature and, and really what you're doing. And it's just very inspiring. And I'm so glad that you are here today and sharing your story. And I wish you tremendous luck with your new book and everything else, your one woman show and um, everything else you're working on is just terrific. Oh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. You are so inspiring and thank you for helping so many people allowing us to share our stories. But I really think you got a book in there about the shoes. I really think you should. Think I got about my that. book. I got a book for sure. I've got uh, several books, just like you. I'm just waiting for the right time, and and that yeah. that will happen. I'm I'm already working on that. So, but thank you for saying that because I do see that happening too for me. Ah, oh, and let's just make sure we continue to to connect um, out there in the world and in our groups and everything. And, and I wish you great success, Katie. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Not done yet? Neither are we. Continue the conversations and get inspired and empowered with community, resources, events, experts, all on a private platform. Become a monthly member or save money and become an annual member and get two months free. Get all the perks and find out the details at nextcareerlife.com. A link will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Links to mine and my guest social media, as well as other resources you might enjoy, are all in the show notes. Why not take a quick 10-minute quiz to help find the right resource for you? Download the Compass mini course or browse the resource page and see what the next community has to offer. All available at www.nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend or coworker. Word of mouth is still the best way to find out about new podcasts. Until next time.